And now we come to the scripture lesson from Paul's letter to the Philippians, the third chapter. Now, this may or may not be familiar to you, these words of St. Paul, and I actually chose a translation that is called the New Testament for everyone to be preaching from today, so the words will even sound a little unfamiliar to you, even if you know this passage. It is a direct translation from the Greek, and Paul says this. Listen now for God's word to you today. Mind you, I have got good reason to trust in the flesh. If anyone thinks they have reason to trust in the flesh, I've got more. Circumcised on the eighth day. Race, Israelite. Tribe, Benjamin. Descent, Hebrew through and through. Torah observance, a Pharisee. Zealous, I persecuted the church. Official status under the law, blameless. Does that sound as if my account was well in credit? Well, maybe, but whatever I had written on the profit side, I calculate it instead as a loss because of the Messiah. Yes, I know that's weird, but there's more. I calculate everything as a loss because knowing King Jesus as my Lord is worth far more than everything else put together. In fact, because of the Messiah, I have suffered the loss of everything, and I now calculate it as trash, so that my prophet may be the Messiah. I'm not implying that I've already received resurrection or that I've already become com complete and mature. No, I'm hurrying on, eager to overtake it because King Jesus has overtaken me. My dear family, I don't reckon that I have yet overtaken it, but this is my one aim, to forget everything that's behind and to strain every nerve to go after what's ahead. I mean to chase on towards the finish post where the prize waiting for me is the upward call of God in King Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, we pray that you'll grant us the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the hearts and minds to understand your word and your world this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So a woman went to a church conference, and it was about the power of prayer, and she was so inspired that she bought a plaque, and she brought it home, and she put it on her living room wall, and the words on the plaque were, prayer changes things. She put it up there, and then 24 hours later, she noticed that the plaque was gone. So she goes over to her husband and he, she says, what's wrong? Don't you like prayer? And he says, I like prayer. I just don't like change. Well, you know, here we are. It's 2020 and we are living in 
maybe the most intense period of profound change that any of us has ever experienced in our lives. And the question for all of us is this, do we have a prayer? Do we have a prayer? I think we do. In fact, I know we do. For example, let's think about where we are right now here at Piedmont Community Church. We're at the start of a major transition, change, from nearly 20 years of Bill McNabb serving as our senior pastor. We're changing, we're moving forward to whatever comes next. And each one of us has a whole range of feelings, hopes, fears, expectations, about what's to come, about the future. And so a couple of weeks ago, I asked a few of you if you would respond to me and, and give me one word each that would describe a feeling that is positive and a feeling that is negative about the future of our church as we change and move forward. Well, next week I'm gonna get to the negative ones. But here are a few of the positives. Hope, sanctuary, leadership, engaged, learning, community, joy, goodwill, acceptance, anticipation, growth, caring, energizing, biblical, brighter, beloved, and belonging. Those are some of the positives. And we do actually have a whole lot of reasons to be optimistic about the future. We have challenges too. But as we move forward together, we can have faith for the road ahead. And partly the reason why is because of where we've already been, because of our past. And because of the stories of faithfulness, the sorts of stuff that, that Zuki Todd was talking about earlier when she talked about her connection to this church, her lifelong connection. She, you know, talked about being baptized right out here by the fountain and growing up in Sunday school and youth group and going on the Mexico trip and then being a, a member of, of boards, church boards as an adult and now mentoring other youth as they go along their spiritual journey. And then she said this, which I think encapsulates so much of what is so powerful about this congregation. She says, God was very clearly calling me to stay here through the voices of his people. It's because of all of you that I still call PCC my home. You are my friends, my family, and the reason PCC is so important to me. I would not be the same if it weren't for the love, support, teaching, and encouragement of this church and its members. I bet some of you have had similar experiences in this church in your time here. Or if you are new, maybe you want to be part of a church that has such a profound and positive impact on people's lives. You know, it's really natural for us to look back to the past, to, to give us a sense of direction for the future and confidence too. That's what the ancient Israelites did. They looked at the past all the time and they remembered all the times when God's faithfulness had shown through on their journey through life, through the wilderness, through the, to the promised land and beyond. They remembered. 
They remembered the journey that God had taken them on out of slavery in Egypt to freedom. And they came up with the, the holiday of Passover to remind them always of God's faithfulness. And there's a wonderful story of the, uh, the great judge, Samuel. There's a time when the people of Israel uh, win a great victory, unexpected victory against amazing odds over the Philistines. And he, he picks up a stone from the field where the battle was and he calls it the stone of help, or in Hebrew, Ebenezer, Ebenezer. And then he sets it down as a memorial. And he says, for up to this point, God has been faithful to us. It's the same for us as a church too. You know the saying, if these stones could talk, well, they can. And the stories they tell us of things we've done, of people we've known and places we've been over the years, they are our Ebenezer to remind us of God's faithfulness to us. So by all means, remember and celebrate the past. Just don't let your sense of vision get stuck. You may know the Words of the famous baseball pitcher Satchel Paige, who said, don't look back, something might be gaining on you. Well, that's basically what Paul is saying in Philippians 2. He writes, this is my one aim, to forget everything that's behind and to strain every nerve to go after what's ahead. And what he's doing here is something that he he actually does quite a bit. He uses one of his favorite metaphors. He imagines his whole life, up to this point and beyond, as a kind of extended foot race. And he says, I mean to chase on towards the finish line where the prize waiting for me is the upward call of God in King Jesus. It's not that Paul's past life up to this point has been an utter failure or anything like that. I mean, according to the, to the rules of his time, his resume was chock full of success. And as you heard when I read that whole sort of litany at the beginning of all the things about him that gave him credit according to the rules of his time, he had no, time, no problem bragging about all of that, all the stuff he's done. It's just that before Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, his whole existence, his sense of self, was about meticulously following the rules, the laws of his people. But now, after hearing the upward call of God in Jesus Christ, because of sheer unexpected grace, he is free to run a whole new kind of race, a marathon for the Messiah. <laughs> Remember the movie Chariots of Fire? How can you forget it? There's this uh, ardent Christian guy from Scotland named Eric Little, and he's at a track meet to run the 440-yard race, which today is the 400 meters. And the starter's gun goes off, and 
He runs off with everybody else. He's the favorite to win the race, but as they round the first bend, somebody trips him on purpose, and he falls to the ground. Now, I don't know about you, but I got to imagine that if I had fallen down in that race myself, and I realized I couldn't possibly win, I'd have probably just stayed stuck on the ground, wallowing in self-pity and anger at the injustice that had been done to me. But Eric Little does the opposite. And quick as a flash, he's back on his feet, and as if filled with electric charge, he runs, he catches up to the other runners, and with his very last step, he wins the race to the sweeping musical score of Vangelis. Da, 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 da. You know that. I, I don't have to sing it for you. It's as if he had just read Paul's letter to the Philippians. And Eric Little is thinking to himself, I am going to forget what's behind, and I'm going to strain every nerve to chase on ahead to the finish line. But you know, there's, there's even more to it than that. Because once Paul meets Jesus, he's not just in a different kind of race. He runs the race in a different kind of a way than he did before. Some of you know that, or I've said before, that I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. And I can't wait for his new album to, to be released later this month. Anyway, a few years ago, uh, I heard about a book with the title Born to Run. And I thought, that's great. It's got to be about the boss. Well, as it turns out, the book is about, of all things, running. And the author says that most of us, for most of our lives, have run in the wrong way. We see running as a means to an end, as uh, a way for us to get in shape or to live longer, whatever. So we protect ourselves from injury by patting our feet with fancy running shoes. And I got a few of those at home, I got to tell you. But then we are introduced to the Tarahumara Indian tribe of northern Mexico. And they run hundreds of miles at a clip without rest, without injury, and they wear nothing on their feet except very, very simple sandals. And they run on the front pads of their feet and not on the arches or the heels, which is what we do, and we're kind of forced to do that because of the shoes we wear. But beyond that, the Tarahumara understand running differently than we do. It's not a chore or a means to an end. It's a gift. It's a way of life. Because they see the human body as born to run. There's a scene in the book where there's a well-known track coach. She watches two Tarahumara running in an ultramarathon, which is a hundred-mile race through the mountains, and he, he wants to figure out what makes them tick. And what strikes him the most isn't their technique in running. Not at all. It's their joy. It's their joy. They race up one of the course's most heartbreaking hills, and, and they're still laughing as they run up 
like a bunch of kids jumping in a pile of leaves. So, how do you view running here at Piedmont Community Church? Not physical running. I mean running in the way that Paul describes. Chasing on towards the finish line where the prize waiting for us is the upward call of God in King Jesus. You see, the truth is that God is calling us. God is beckoning us forward, all of us as individuals and as a community. And in many ways, today is our starting line. So, right from the get-go, we have a few questions to answer, to consider. Are you ready? Are you committed? And are you confident? Are you ready to see running as a challenge, yes, but also as a joy, as something you were born to do as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus? Are you ready to see the past, the people and the experiences that lifted you up, but also the ones that knocked you down? Can you see the whole experience as preparation for the road ahead? Then are you committed to keep on running together as a community? I know it is extremely hard right now, extremely hard because of COVID and so many other things. We can't even gather together in the, in the sanctuary. And there's so much dislocation in our lives these days. But, but even so, will you commit to give what you can to keep us moving forward in faith? whether it's money or time or talent, whatever it is, are you committed? And finally, are you confident that God is going to see us through this time of change and all the way to the finish line? I hope and pray that you are confident. I hope and pray that you know the answer is yes. God is going to see us through. After all, we have our Ebenezer, we have the foundation stone of help that was laid by our mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers in faith. We have each other with our strengths and weaknesses, which call forth the weaknesses even more strength and more compassion and more reconciliation and mercy and love from us. And we have God, or rather God has us in the palm of his hand. God has been and always will be faithful and true to all of God's people and to me and you here at Piedmont Community Church. So next week I'm going to talk honestly and as uh, fully as I can about some of the joys and some of the challenges we're going to face as we move forward in this time of transition, as we move forward in faith. But right now, I want to invite you to come to the Lord's table. Sticking with the athletic metaphor for a, a moment, we can see the table as a training table, full of solid spiritual nourishment for the race ahead. So, 
As I said earlier, if you need to pause the video right now uh, and go get a, a piece of bread and a cup of wine or, or juice or some other liquid, go ahead and do that now. And I'll be waiting for you right here at the table along with our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name, amen.